trying to stay with the breath was futile, like you talked about. So I needed to go to where the, the agitation was, the distraction was, but I couldn't really pin it down because it was just this kind of emotional, like, upset. So I decided to go into my chest and into my heart and really feel into it. And what it felt like was, <coughs> I mean, I got this really kind of vivid image of my heart as like this kind of like, almost like a, something wrapped in like tight leather, black leather, mm -hmm. just constricted. And it, and it was this very visceral feeling of being, my heart being tighter and then pulling me down. And I could actually feel my whole face getting pulled down. And it was very like, uh, I mean, like I said, very, I mean, it was very tight, like it felt, felt that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just an experience I had or if that's something that anybody ever has. Or well, the chances of somebody else having exactly that experience are, in, in, in other words, it, it's not one of the classic meditation right. experiences like seeing a light. Uh, so, but it's uh, when you say it, it, it's not just a random experience you had, it's it's come out of the deeper levels of your mind, mm -hmm. and it probably has a lot of symbolic significance, right. um, which you may or may not come to be aware of over the next little while and, and reflecting on it. Um, but whatever it is that was trying to express itself with that imagery that came up. Uh, in one form or another, it will come back again until it's been resolved and, and let go of. So, um, as a matter of fact, you were asking about this sort of thing the other night. This is this is often how it begins. It's, it, it's a feeling. Uh, you don't really know where it's coming from or why it's there. Uh, next might come some kind of imagery or sometimes... Uh, a memory will will come, but um, as it continues to come to the surface, at some point you, you'll have a pretty clear recognition of what it's about in terms of your own psyche, what it represents. And at that point, uh, you, you don't really need to to stop meditating and getting involved in it. But what you do need to do is to recognize it, acknowledge it, accept it, and whenever whenever the time is right, you just let go of it and come back to the practice. But the key thing is that, you know, we all have these things that are buried in our, our psyches that are, uh, we're, we're often, or, uh, or typically, unaware of the role that they're playing in determining our reactions to all sorts of circumstances in our daily life. So they actually have a lot of importance to them. But at the same time, they're still there and they're still affecting us because they, they're not, they're unresolved. They're, they're creating some kind of a conflict uh, that's taking place at a subconscious level, but it's having an effect. When it has the opportunity to come out in the open, and when you have the opportunity to look at it, you also have the opportunity, just seeing it in, in a much clearer mental space, to recognize it and accept it for what it is and, and let go of it. And uh, especially if you can see the kind of conflict that's been creating for you to just, you know, it's just sort of an aha. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, in the way you've described it before and the way you're describing it now, how you deal with these, these things that arise. Um, see, my, my impulse is to, like, 
use it not just as the object, but to really, well, I guess that would be the, the idea, but I'm definitely focusing my attention at it. Um, and part of me, and this, I know this is totally not in, in the tradition that you teach, I, I was thinking of trying to work with imagery to try to either release it or do something with it, to try to see if there's just, they could break up or just kind of move things along. Um, and I'm, I don't, I mean, that's, I'm wondering, is there any way to kind of facilitate the, whatever the... Well, there's different approaches, uh, different systems of, of uh, dealing with this in terms of psychology and meditation as well. But from this particular system of practice, the approach is to just be mindfully aware and as non-judgmental and as objective as possible. And what you did in terms of examining the feeling. It was coming up and it was taking you away from the practice. So you did the right thing. Examine the feelings. Uh, and imagery arose. And, and to just observe that. Now, uh, someone else who follows some other system of thought might suggest you do things like, you know, trying to work with that imagery or trying to see, well, what what could this symbolize the heart being pulled down and encased in leather and things like that, you know. Uh, and I, I can't say anything about that because that's not how I work. But what I would suggest is that you just objectively observe with uh, interest and without judgment, uh, you know, the kind of imagery that comes up, the feeling that's associated with it. In other words, you see, with this particular approach, what you want to do more than anything else is um, this is coming to the surface, first of all, because you haven't got a lot of discursive thought activity going on to be in its way. Okay, so what you want to do more than anything else is to just be open and willing to let whatever this is come fully into view. You know, so that's where the attitude is really important. To the degree that you're that you judge it, or are afraid of it, or uh, uh, don't like it, or don't want it, or whatever, you're not going to allow it to come up. Even the degree to which you chase after it and pursue it and, and try to bring it up, uh, that's what you want to do. Is just be in a state of mind that allows whatever this is to just come right up where where it's completely revealed and uh, where you can view it objectively and see it for whatever it is. And as I told you before, sometimes it may have uh, so much emotional content associated with it, you can't really just accept it and let it go. When it comes into the open, you react to it. You want to push it away. And that's, you know, if, if that happens, then don't worry about that. I mean, you reacted in the only way that you could have at the moment, so don't judge your reaction and say, oh, that's not what I was supposed to do. But just know <coughs> that whatever it is, it came that close to coming up that if you create the conditions, it'll come up again, and and you will be able to see it and understand it and let go of it. This is an important part of the process of meditation, is purification of mind, purification of consciousness. You know, these are exactly the kinds of things that, as we get into uh, uh, 
a somewhat deeper stage of concentration where the ordinary everyday noise isn't producing distractions that are still creating the agitation in mind that is, uh, is, is, it has to be dealt with and overcome before you can enter into the really deep states of mental calm, uh, deep states of concentration. Because it's working there below the surface to the degree that it has unresolved anger and aversion or uh, desire or judgment or whatever associated with it, it's an obstacle, it's a hindrance. So this practice, uh, the practice of meditation, concentration and mindful awareness development uh, is, is called the purification of consciousness. There's seven stages of purification that uh, have been described in, uh, in the Buddhist teaching. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's in a, a sutra that's called the, uh, the Relay Chariots Sutra about uh, explaining how that uh, if, if the king received a message, a message and to go someplace and uh, he would ride first in one chariot and then uh, when he reached that stage point he'd get out and get in the second chariot and so on and so that that the journey would involve uh, uh, seven different chariots and then those chariots were uh, identified as to do with these seven levels of purification that we need to go through in order to achieve the ultimate goal of awakening. The first is the purification of virtue. And you can meditate, you can uh, develop a lot of concentration and mindful awareness, but until you've you've achieved purification of virtue, there will be a limit. You cannot go beyond. Uh, when you have not uh, purified your virtue, uh, there is agitation due to, the, uh, uh, due to worry and remorse about things that you have done and are likely to continue doing. Uh, there is, uh, uh, when, when you are not living virtuously, you are continuously uh, reinforcing the habits of uh, sense desire and of aversion and anger. And so all of these things are present in your mind stream. And even when you're sitting quietly and everything seems to be reasonably peaceful, they're still there and the residues they've created are still acting as impediments. So, so you can't progress in meditation unless you uh, do something about this in the rest of your life. So the first purification is purification of virtue. The second is a purification of uh, the purification of mind. That's what it's called. I think I said concentration. It's purification of mind. And through concentration and mindful awareness, you bring about the purification of mind. And it is a, an important part of that is is sort of cleaning up your subconscious mind of all the leftover stuff that's still getting in the way. And then the next purification is a purification of view, which I talked to you some about last night. That is shifting from the wrong view of there's a, a world, there's a self-existent world out there and then there's a me here in the middle of it and the only way I can make myself happy is to try to manipulate that world. The right view is recognizing Understanding yourself in terms of what you are is a, uh, a, a, 
mind stream or stream of consciousness and uh, consisting of one conscious event after another and in each of those events there are sensations, feelings, perceptions, the mental formations that drive those perceptions and the volitional formations that you generate in response to them and of course consciousness which is what makes it a conscious event. And so understand right view is seeing the world and yourself from this experiential or phenomenological point of view instead of the, the reification of an independent world out there and an independent self in here and some kind of struggle between the two. And then after that becomes comes the purification uh, of, of, by overcoming doubt. And this is basically uh, overcoming doubt that uh, with regard to uh, right view. You have to satisfy yourself completely that this is true. And then there's the purification uh, by knowledge of what is and is not the path. And that's because by the time you get to this point, you have some really wonderful meditation experiences. Blissful experiences, uh, joyful experiences, and uh, uh, you might initially think, oh, this is it. I've arrived. But, you know, you've got a long way to go. This is not the path. <laughs> This is this is merely some some uh, signs that you're you're making progress, and then so and then comes the uh, next to the last of the purifications is a purification uh, by knowledge and vision of the way, and this is where you start having direct experiences uh, of of the way things are, direct insights into the nature of things, into uh, into the, the impermanence of all phenomenal experience into the emptiness of both self and the uh, world of perceived objects. Uh, and then insight into the, the ultimately unsatisfactory nature of this and the inevitable suffering that comes when you grasp to the illusion of substantiality in that which is uh, impermanent and empty. Then, in this process of, uh, of the uh, purification by knowledge and vision of the way, you come to the point where these insights become clearer and clearer, uh, more and more deeply understood. At the same time, developing a very powerful equanimity. Uh, and by equanimity, this is where the mind ceases to react to that which is experienced as uh, pleasant or unpleasant, positive or negative. Instead, you are just with it as it is, seeing it in terms of the insights that you have. And that leads to the final purification, which is called just simply purification by knowledge and vision. And what happens there, of course, is that uh, the mind at some point turns away from grasping after these appearances that it is in fact itself generating. Uh, and it's as, as some people would describe it, uh, it's the stopping of the mind or the stopping of the world. And of course, you know, if you followed what I was saying last night, you realize they're the same thing. When the, if you stick... 
if the mind stops what it's doing, then it stops generating this particular perception of the world that we have. And you know, we said we, we were saying that ultimate reality is empty of those projections that the mind is creating. So another way of describing what happens with the stopping of the mind is that you directly perceive that emptiness of all of those projections it's when the mind stops. Another way that it's described is described as the um, cessation of craving. And that's what the word nirvana means, a cessation of craving. That is, craving is what drives the grasping and the reification of this. And so when even for a moment cessation stops, then it interrupts the mind's process of doing that. And you have a direct experience of uh, reality devoid of all of these projections. So it goes by all these different names, but it's the purification by knowledge and vision, basically of the true nature of reality. And that's what's liberating. In that experience, there is no self. And thereafter, the mind, you know, after it's over with, you'll still have a sense of self and you'll still have an ego. But uh, there's no way your mind is going to make the mistake any longer of grasping to that as, uh, as an ultimate reality, as a permanent reality. You've also had the experience of seeing the emptiness of everything. And so this tremendously attenuates uh, uh, further grasping, desire, and aversion, attachment, because uh, once, once emptiness is understood in a very direct way, you know, in other words, once you understand that these things are a projection of your mind, then you can't forget it. I like the analogy of, uh, of the Wizard of Oz, you know. Once, once you've seen behind the curtain, once you know what's really making all the noise and the voice and everything, you don't ever go back to thinking it was what you thought it was before. Um, and so that's, that's the way that it produces the change. So it goes by all these different names and descriptions, but the final of the seven purifications, the last, the last chariot in the relay, is the purification by knowledge and vision, by knowledge and vision of the true nature of reality, which is only seen when the mind stops its fantasizing. So anyway, you are broaching on the purification of of mind, um, of, of uh, consciousness. So, yes. I was having an experience that might be a little similar, and I think I just kind of want to confirm here. And I was like, "Am I doing the right thing?" <laughs> but it was a feeling like when things like that come up, sometimes they're like these really intense emotional things. I always have a tendency to try to make something out of you know. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yes. Make therapy out of this thing, <laughs> and. Just recognizing, like, wait a minute, that kind of is like all distorting it by doing that, you know? And that it seemed like it might be more helpful just to continue to focus sort of beyond it, but mm -hmm. let it happen, but kind of have your focus still be kind of beyond it, like on your the meditation object, whatever yes. it is. And that seemed like a better thing to do because it did seem like trying to glom onto it, you just get stuck. There was a feeling of getting stuck in it when that happened. Oh, you're absolutely right. You are so very right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I like your description of. Keeping a focus beyond it on the meditation object and just letting it come. 
Because you're right. As soon as you start telling stories about it, you make it that much harder to see what it is that's trying to come into the open because you're messing the whole thing up with all the stories you're making. <laughs> you're really pulling it everywhere. And that's what our, that's what our <coughs> minds do. Is it, our minds are constantly telling us stories. That, I mean, that's we, we're all the time telling, us, telling ourselves the story of our life and who we are and what we're doing. <laughs> and the funny thing is that the story keeps changing, but we often don't notice that. <laughs> but whenever a whenever something like that comes up, yes, absolutely, the best thing to do, at least from the mode of practice that that I'm familiar with, is to let it come into the open without telling stories about it, without confusing it. Right, and it's not really like trying to get rid of it or anything, because it'll be there like really strongly, but it's just not making it like the central thing. What you're, yes, it's it's just the opposite of trying to get rid of it because that's really what's been the problem all all along is you kept pushing it away and pushing it down and burying it and covering it over or turning and looking the other way. You know, I mean that's what we do. Don't we do that all the time? Like during the day, we'll we'll okay. do or say something that uh, we wish we hadn't, but instead of examining looking at ourselves and what we've done and why we did it, the natural tendency is to brush it off and look away quickly, as, as fast as we can. Let's think about something else or do something else or, you know, let's, for, let's forget about it. So that's, that's the chronic problem, is pushing things away. And the solution is bringing it out into the full light of mindful awareness. At least as quickly as you can. Yep. Having some strange relationships with this stuff because it's like religion, but it's different than the religion I was raised in. And it feels like the religion I was raised in set a lot of the same virtues, you know, be good, <laughs> don't steal, and the results are pretty much the same, you know. But it felt like it was this big distortion of, of being, you know, that was felt like this is how you got not doing it because you just like forced yourself into this behavior, you know. <laughs> you just kind of tried to like, you know. And so, it's just something that I'm working on, I don't know if you even have to say anything about it, but it's kind of like a recognizing that it's like, okay, this is similar, but it's not the same thing, <laughs> because of having all these reactions about religion and being like, how it feels real destructive, the religion I was raised in felt really destructive and really detrimental, you know, to yeah. follow. So it's just kind of this thing. <coughs> exactly. It's different, but it's not the same thing. And there's a tremendous amount of value in in every religious system, but there's also a lot of distortion. And, and <laughs> I just uh, comments so this morning, um, following the, the breathing, and I actually got somewhere with it for a while. And there was a nice experience of, because though there were others in the room urging me on at the same time. Hmm. Pleasant. Pleasant, yeah. So you had the feeling as though they were, you had allies that were... Okay. You can do it. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. That's, that's very good. That's the same thing. That's other parts of your mind that are supporting this activity. So. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. Maybe somebody here was doing better meditation. 
<laughs> What's that? I said maybe somebody here was doing meta meditation. Maybe they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else that anybody's uh, in the way of a question or or something like that? Well, I'd be really interested to hear just, uh, you know, not a, not any big long thing, but I'm curious to know how you found this uh, retreat this weekend, and also if you have any suggestions, uh, you know, let, let me know what worked and, and what, what didn't work from your point of view. And Nancy and I would both appreciate that, since uh, it's, you know, we, we want to make uh, these these events work as, as well as possible. And I'm also very interested, you know, I've, I've talked to each of you individually, I'm very interested in knowing personally how you, you found it and, and how it went for you. So if you don't mind, if I can just go around the room and ask each one of you to say a little something. Um, you want to start, Terry? I can start, I guess. Did I find it? It seemed like it was kind of consolidating in a certain way of various, oh, I don't know how to describe it, like ideas about meditation that I wasn't quite sure about or something, or does this really work, or is this, you know, it was sort of like a consolidation of that kind of questions, you know, and it was like, oh. so it felt like that was one of the processes that happened. Um, I really liked having a nice long meditation interview. That was cool. Appreciated that. The thing I didn't like was that buzzsaw. Uh, <laughs> most of the time it didn't. Most of the time I did not let it reach into my head and grab me, but once or twice it did. Well, that's something that normally we would hope would not be happening. It's a little bit of a. I, I, I think you deserve an explanation of why we would let that happen while you're here. Um, my parents moved into this house before it was done, and so it's been uh, it's been a very stressful situation for them, living in an unfinished house and not able to put things away. It so happens their countertops are being installed in the kitchen on Tuesday, and there's a counter, uh, uh, there's a bar top that goes on a pony wall which had not been constructed to the point that it could have its top put on it you know and so it was, it was this last minute urgency the only opportunity that we had to get this work done so it would be ready so I'm really sorry for the sound <laughs> of the saw and also the air compressor that he used for the nail gun you know I, I, I think he did try to make the least amount of noise he could but it's inevitable so I apologize for that <laughs> John, this is the quietest okay. meditation place I've been in a long time. <laughs> when I was in Nepal, it was there was Tibetan monasteries behind us, and they they blow their horns at you know when I was sound like hungry ghosts out behind us. The cats would fight, <laughs> whatever, and there was construction going on. So you know, it really was good. You just had to work on your being able to tune out and tune in. It's actually much quieter than TCMC. Yeah. Yes, it is. As a matter of TCMC is pretty noisy. Yeah, for all of last year, we had to meditate with them doing construction next door at TCMC too. So. <laughs> 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 
It actually brought me some comfort. <laughs> it was somewhat in sync with my mind. I'm like, oh. it was too quiet. I probably would have left. No, it's a good excuse. Anyway, well, th- thank you for that feedback. Is there anything else you wanted to add? <coughs> I didn't get to go hiking as much as I wanted to. We need to put hiking on the schedule. Okay, hiking meditation. Silent hiking meditation. Nancy has been suggesting that for a long time. I have been. Yeah, she said, take them on a meditative hike. I'll put half one of those mountains that went all the way up, and I tried, and I got caught in all this intense tangle, and I decided it would take me way longer than I thought it would, so I didn't do it. I came back. Yeah, there's better ways than bushwhacking. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for the stronghold. It's uh, quite an ideal place to have a retreat. So, I know that the accommodations were, were excellent. Enjoyed that. Um, I think that the guided portion of it complemented the frequent cities. And I say frequent with a, only a small note of humor. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Again, this is my first exposure to this sort of thing, so it was, uh, it was educational in that regard. Glad that next time I know that the, you know, the first several days will be the difficult part. So, uh, and having a small experience while I was here would make it reasonable to uh, try again at another, another time, perhaps another location, perhaps here again. And I would go along with the idea of a hike. I, did a, a long, mindful walk out of the Grand Canyon one time. It was, it was, saw more that go more in that trip than I had in any other trip. So it really, it could be worthwhile. Well, I think uh, you know I, you're right, and, and Nancy's right that uh, considering the where we are, we should find some way to include incorporate that into uh, into the practice. And I appreciate your comments about the guided meditation. I've always been very hesitant to do that, but uh, I keep getting very uh, positive feedback whenever I do. I always have that, and maybe I can hear from some. I always have this feeling that those people who are more experienced meditators find find it very annoying. And here I am keeping them from practicing because I keep talking while they're trying to meditate. You know, where uh, <laughs> so maybe I'm find find out from them what their experience is of it. Because I, uh, I've i done that uh, at a couple of other retreats just a little bit, and I keep getting the same response of people saying, could, could we have more of that? So I'm considering that, too. By the way, Chuck, how did you find out about this retreat? Because I... I oh, I'd, I'd gone to TCMC for something else uh, over a year ago, put myself on the mailing list. Ah, okay. And it shows up periodically in emails. Ah, okay. Pay yeah. attention to these things. <laughs> Great. Life works that I could incorporate it. This looks like a good one. Well, wonderful. It was certainly certainly nice having you here. I enjoyed your presence very much. Thank you, John. I was just going to comment on your stating that um, if someone's been meditating, you know, for a while, that hearing, you know, the holy teacher teaching us might be kind of a hindrance or. Annoying, and I, I think it's the exact opposite. Um, you 
know, any, anytime you find a great teacher, I mean, the more the better. And uh, so I, I just personally, I just wanted to mention that. Like, coming in here and you speak was definitely the highlight. Um, you know, being in your presence and meditating with you is great, but also just being able to be guided through meditations and hearing some of the, the Dharma as well. So I wouldn't even think twice about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, definitely the, you know, your words are imbued with realizations and understanding and experience, and I think that's, uh, there's a transmission that happens for sure. So I think it's nice to have that. I'm grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the other night, just, I was sitting out under the stars, I was thinking, this is John and Nancy's place, but I created it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's so, it's... What good work? Enjoyed this. Yeah. No, I was just, I was dumbfounded. I'm like, I have no idea how I did this. Like, it's so beautiful. I mean, it's so conducive to, to practicing. Uh, the environment, the energy is just perfect. So it's, it's definitely a nice place to come out. Um, yeah, so it's... Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, then the other thing with regards to the, the meditative aspect of the weekend, um, insight meditation isn't something I normally engage in, mm-hmm. except for the first 10 rounds of breath before I jump into analytical or visualization or something like that. Um, and I realized something this weekend is that uh, it's something to pay attention to and something I need to incorporate because... I think when you're busy doing visualizing or you're busy doing analytical, you're always able to jump around in different places and think you're doing something well or you're doing something, you're, you're penetrating it, but quite often I think my mind is just simply dancing. So when you give me one object, I started to go a little nuts, focus on your breath. And uh, so I, it definitely was a challenge for me, I admit that. And it was like this weekend was a spotlight. It put a spotlight on my mind and made me really realize that yeah, I need to ground it down more. So um, I'll definitely be incorporating this into my regular practice now. Any more than 10 cycles, I'm for 20 cycles of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and the food was great. It was nice. I find sometimes that's, that's, a, that's a real bonus on a retreat, you know. <laughs> I used to go on retreats and I'd bring my own nice little stashes here and there. <laughs> like this weekend. So uh, that's it, so coming back more. Okay, good. Thank you. Likewise for me, the schedule was wonderful. The only thing I might want to do with the schedule was just add the yoga, like do yoga, and Mm -hmm. so it's hard to do the, to eat first and then do yoga. Yeah. I don't know. Very good suggestion. How we could ever do that, because there are people who don't do yoga, and of course they wouldn't want to eat right away, so I thought maybe I'd just go get breakfast yoga. (laughs) Breakfast yoga, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or just go get, go get, you know, uh, breakfast, sit in a, you know, how and sit in so they're not in the way of whoever's cooking for the next meal or something. If they did yoga, then they would be happier when they had breakfast. Hmm? <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 Well, that, that is a good point, and uh, uh, it's one that, that we're thinking about. You know, there's a, there's always these kinds of things where... How do you work it? How, how do you yeah, work yeah, it? And one of the things that I have always believed and, and insist on is that uh, because of the effect of having breakfast that I always want people to get two sits in before breakfast mm-hmm. so anything else that you had in before breakfast it starts to start to either have to get up earlier <laughs> or wait longer before you eat you don't get the afternoon before so, dinner <laughs> yeah. but 
But anyway, that's uh, that is something that we're thinking about and and hoping an inspired uh, solution will present itself. So. for almost a year. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, there have been ups and downs and some good points during the year, but I probably made more progress, feel like I made more progress this year um, than, you know, this, this time around since I've um, come back and had that long meditation in Nepal. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, partially, I suppose, because even though, you know, you might, I might not have thought that I had expectations, you get to a certain point on, you know, where you You've been meditating so much every single day. You come back home and you go back to work, and you just can't have, you can't hold it. And not being able to hold it, I think there's just some kind of sense of disappointment, mm-hmm. you know. And, and uh, but here it was this weekend, and it was fantastic. And thank you for your guidance yesterday. Today was really wonderful as well. Very good things. Good. Good. It was much more than I expected, um, and you guys are incredibly generous. Um, I mean, my situation financially, I it, this is really a luxury to be able to afford to be able to do this retreat the way you guys have set it up, and I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, um, yeah, it was beautiful. The food was, yeah, I did want to say the food was really outstanding to you. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I don't really have... Um, any feedback about how things ran? I, I agree that um, some type of movement would be would probably be good, um, and a way to fit that in. But I mean, <laughs> this is the same way I was on the last retreat I did. Any free minute I have, I go back to sleep. So I probably <laughs> 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 I would just I use it to sleep. So anyway, um, yeah. Um, I was thinking you you'd given me the advice when I met with you. And I think it was really good. I, I was, and I, <clears throat> it might be better for me to kind of follow up with it with you on it later. Um, but when you commented um, or suggested that during my walking meditation, I kind of do kind of more of an open awareness and try to really um, enjoy the surroundings. Um, and I found that I was actually I was resistant to that. I didn't bring it up with you when I was talking to you um, because. Um, it really made sense because I've been asking you how can I kind of build my motivation for my practice and, and, and all the reasoning was good. Um, but I kept thinking this weekend because the last retreat I did was a concentration retreat, so it was all it was all focusing on the sensation of the nostril, and it was and I think that was part of the reason why I felt like I made some tremendous gains, even though it was somewhat tedious for ten days, but actually not as much at all as, as I would have expected. So I really wanted to get that again, and I really wanted to um, sustain that even with my walking meditation. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess that's that's my own complaint. <laughs> so I guess it doesn't have anything to do with your advice. Um, I guess part of the weekend I was kind of thinking how much how much I wanted to sustain that concentration like I had before and really work towards that as the goal. Um, and for the most part, that's kind of what I was doing. Um, it may be too much, though. Hence all the stuff I talked to you about earlier, um, as far as expectations. But um, so yeah, I, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess the the format was it seemed really ideal. I mean, and, and it was really nice to be able to talk with. Oh, that was the other thing I wanted to say. For me, I mean, definitely in my position, the guided the guiding uh, guided meditation was really helpful. And uh, I was I was actually I wouldn't want it like every sit by any means, but I was even thinking um, it was kind of nice. It was so nice that morning, like maybe having it all, every morning. Because for me, um, and I, that's just for me, because it really helps uh, give me a clear sense of purpose and instruction. Because I can, as simple as the instructions are and the reasons behind them, it's so easy to get lost when you're in your head for hours, hours at a time during the day by yourself with your own insanity or my own insanity person. So that's why it was, it's really helpful to just to get those instructions while you're actually in the sit. Mm-hmm. It's so much different than getting them when you're in a Dharma talk. Because you're in that state, you're yes. in that, that yeah. context. So I found it really, really helpful. Good. Thanks for the feedback. Yeah. yeah. And thank you again, and both of you guys. Thank you. Let me just add something in response to <coughs> part of what you said, yeah. just for everyone's benefit. That, um, it is very easy to. Uh, Chase after experiences to meditate, and uh, <laughs> if you if you have a good experience, you oh, oh I want that experience again. Or even if you haven't, you heard about these things, and I want that to happen. Um, you can you can have some amazing experiences and have not the faintest idea of what you did that made that happen, and it's not worth very much. It's the uh, most it is is just. A story you can tell yourself at other times, or, or, or maybe you could tell somebody else, oh, wow, I had this experience, you know. And it really has no value beyond that. What's important and, and is the repeatability, that you understand, uh, you've developed the skills and you understand how you applied the skills to produce the experience, and you can reproduce the experience as a result. And uh, and there's many different kinds of experiences, but they're not, you know, uh, it, 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 rather than something that, well, if I keep going back and sitting, maybe that'll happen again. It's about understanding what the conditions are and creating the conditions reliably. So, yeah. And just keep that in mind. It's only natural you, have, you went on a 10-day retreat, you had a good experience. You go on another ten-day retreat, and uh, you may uh, you may not, or you may have a different kind of experience. But what's important in all of these occasions is if you are developing the specific skills, and if you're understanding how the application of those skills leads to those experiences. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Question about stretching. Is it okay to stretch in here during the walking meditations? Because I did it some, and then I felt like maybe I shouldn't do that because one person was still sitting in here. Uh, if it's if it's if there's if you're not bothering someone else, if somebody else isn't in here trying to walk or trying to sit, then it's not a problem. Okay, but if somebody's sitting, somebody was sitting, and I didn't stay too long. Stretch outside. Yeah, stretch outside. Let's see. Well, one thing is I had a cold. I didn't realize I had a cold. 
and so everybody should take their Zycam when they get home, or zinc lozenges or something. And I'm sorry, I thought I just had some congestion from talking a lot, because I last weekend I had a big weekend where I was talking constantly, and I thought, anyway. So it ended up being cold, and I'm sorry, and so everyone take precautions, you know, <laughs> take vitamin C, whatever. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I didn't sleep terribly well on Saturday night, and I, but I, I still did quite a bit of meditating in between sleeping, and uh, I'm, I'm working with um, how much effort to use, and this afternoon I start thinking about, well, when my husband tells me something that I have to listen to carefully, <laughs> he, I'm not very good about it, you know, he talks a little bit slowly, and he He's very detailed about everything he says, and I have to really work at that <laughs> to listen to my husband tell me instructions about something detailed, you know. You know how a machine works or, you know, something along those lines. Or if he's telling me, he's a piano technician, if he's telling me something about something he had to do on a piano, and it's just not very interesting to me, and I have to really work <laughs> at listening to every detail so I keep the stream, and plus he talks a little bit slowly. And I thought about, well, I really have to concentrate to keep the track of, of listening to him and, and get what he's saying. And I tried using that kind of attention on the breath. And then I started asking myself, well, am I trying too hard? <laughs> so it's still a little hard for me to know about effort um, because I tend to be an overachiever. Um, or I was in school. I'm not so much anymore. <laughs> But, you know, I, t I tend to try too hard, I think, at, at some things. And um, anyway, so that's what I'm dealing with, how hard to try and how, you know, whether you should push a little bit or not at all, or I'm, just, I'm still not sure about that. So I guess that's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's uh, right where you should be, yeah. It, and it, it really is, it's learning learning what that balance point is of not trying between not trying hard enough and trying too hard. Knowing you, I suspect most of the time you're trying too hard. But, <laughs> but you have to discover for yourself exactly what that balance point is. So, so how was the weekend for you? Oh, I've enjoyed it. I had a very pleasant place to stay and I got to see the deer and the cardinals and the the bird that I don't know the name of with the reddish brown wing tops and white breasts and black and white back. You don't know what that is? What is it? Rufus sided tohi. Oh my goodness. I'll have to tell my sister. <laughs> and um, it's beautiful here. It's gorgeous. I've been wanting to come see it for a long time. The, the man who sells vegetables at the Palomino Plaza Farmer's Market lives in this area, and he said, well, you come down and visit, but don't stay. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want more people here. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, it's always a pleasure to come here, and uh, my experience this weekend has been that it's one, it's always great to get uh, advices, regular advices on what's going on, so that's always helpful and, and to have a, like a weekend where you can 
play with it as opposed to just an hour a day where you don't get to experiment as much because that's your hour. You know, if you spend it trying something that doesn't work, then it feels a little frustrating. So, so it's, that was helpful this weekend. Good, good. That was something I meant to ask about because I've been doing interviews in the afternoon and changed it to the morning. So it sounds like that's a good change. Yeah, it's, it was fine with me. Yeah. It's fine with me. Um, in terms of scheduling, you know, I, I would like a, what would be ideal for me personally is if there was a little bit of a longer break for dinner, supper, the evening meal, mm-hmm. so that I could do yoga before at that time and then eat afterwards because mm. I couldn't do it at breakfast or lunch because then I'd be eating after yoga and then starting meditating 15 minutes later which is a disaster for me and kind of dozy with the head nodding and everything if I try and eat just before meditating so, whereas the evening goes into a dharma talk where I'm less likely to fall asleep because something somebody's doing something <laughs> so, so that's um, that would be a good time for me to have a little bit of an extended break mm-hmm. you know and then personally I'm happy to go to 9.30 at night if we could have an extra half hour at that time okay just How that work maybe for other people I don't like to do yoga at that time of day but it's a good time for me personally um, okay. uh, again I, I really like to do walking meditation on a flat place which, of which on this whole property, I think the only one is the Taiwan. <laughs> 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 so, if there was another one of those, okay, okay. yeah. I think I would probably second that. I think that was something yeah. I thought about a lot, too. Yeah. Well, maybe we can organize a weekend when people but can yeah. come out just to make Thai walking paths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happy just to get a bobcat. Again, uh, I think it's an entirely personal thing, but uh, if there was no raw onion in any of the okay. meals, because I when I eat raw onion, I taste it, and then when I'm in meditation, I can I can taste the raw onion in my body, mm-hmm. since to hold on to it for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, not that it's that disturbing, but it's just I know that it's there. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, the food is delicious. Just make the pieces bigger so we can pull them out. Okay. <laughs> just throw a whole onion in. Just, just have some uh, on, uh, separate on the side. So if anybody yeah. wants it, they can have I have a wonderful person helping me. She's learning about meditators. It's not her first understanding. <laughs> she loves to And when you sit with us as well, that's extremely helpful for my meditation. Just, so just being in the room, sitting with us, mm-hmm. it really helps my meditation go deeper, right quicker.
So, I mean, your situation is different from theirs. They have it easier. Yeah. But they're also more expensive than retreats. <laughs> John, uh, sorry. But towards that end, I appreciated just sitting the, the group without the, the teacher. Because that, it was an interesting contrast. What's the group? Okay, they said, mm-hmm. not all very likely, but no, it, was, it was an interesting contrast. In, um, uh, but, but it gave me time to work on whatever was running through my mind at that point. John, the one thing I experienced a lot, and I just remembered, um, I was feeling a lot of tightness in the heart area in the back. And in the past, like with the other types of meditations I do, I just bring my awareness in, down into the heart area, right? But you can't do that if you're focusing on the tip of your nose, or at least I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Am I missing somewhere? Can you give me some suggestions? But yeah, there's definitely a lot of tension. I One thing that came to my mind was just ease off. Like, don't focus so intensely, but I don't think I was so much at that time. Uh, is this muscle tension? I guess it's right. in the heart area located near the back, right in front of the, right front of the spine, I guess. Uh, sometimes, or quite often, in fact, uh, meditation starts energy moving in the body. Um, if it's, if, if uh, it is very distracting, you can actually move the energy with your awareness, and that's and that's all right to do. But in general, uh, you'd probably be better if it's not, that if you're just aware of it as a tightness, but it's not distracting or as a sense of uh, energy building up in a particular place and not really moving. If it's not terribly distracting to you, just treat it as any other distraction and, and uh, practice without paying attention to it. But if it becomes if, you, if it keeps drawing your attention away, then you can go ahead and work with it. I'll just tell you that in the, the way I was taught, the only instruction was ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. <laughs> didn't feel right, though. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, it, it feels like, a, a, it's not like a knee pain, and you know, it's just because mm-hmm. your legs not used to being right. cross-legged for so many hours, whatever, but it's like, it's like, I, I don't know how to put it, but it's more of a visceral feeling that it needs, yeah. to, something needs to be done. Yeah. You know? It's not just simply a, something that's uncomfortable. It just I know that there's some tension back there, and it shouldn't actually be there. Like mm-hmm. it felt like I could easily correct it. And like I said, normally I would just bring my attention down into the heart area, mm-hmm. but then that gets a little confusing. If I'm trying to meditate on well, it, you know, it's it's all right to do to do something like that. Experiment. <coughs> do it very purposefully, and don't you know? And, and as soon as you've accomplished the release of it, then go back. Okay. And that's what I didn't do. Like Brian is saying, how you can experiment, right? Yes. I think I became very locked. You know, this is what yeah. I'm doing for the next five sets, and, and I wasn't experimenting so much. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Thanks. It's another cause for the yoga. Yes. A little heart opening in the yoga beforehand. Yeah. 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 That's right. The yoga or uh, tai chi or things like that. I've been working with a lot of people who experience a lot of energy movement. And, and so, you know, I basically... This started my teacher's instructions to ignore it, and now uh, I try to sense 
how, the magnitude of, of what they're experiencing and then encourage them to to work with it in ways that will sort of get them beyond it as quickly as possible. I just thought of three things. Um, the, the first one, well, not all at once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's amazing. <laughs> Very um, I was thinking, it's kind of, I thought of that with the heart opening, doing maybe just one guided meta meditation. Um, I don't know if that's something you like to do. I just... Especially where, where I had gotten myself this weekend, yeah. <laughs> the amount of like self hate and anger in general probably would have been good. Probably would have been, yeah. But, but I just and also I know a lot of people. I mean, I've heard other teachers say it's it's actually it's a good concentration practice. Well, I think I've even heard you say that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Um, and then one point, uh, just like a, a practical thing. One thought I did have that might be helpful um, with, um, especially. Um, during the noble silences, these type of retreats, is to have, I know you guys have plenty of work, but to have some type of mock-up of the layout of the grounds mm. um, at the kitchen um, and like bathrooms and just the, that kind of stuff and have a name for each building. Mm-hmm. Just like, I don't know, just for instructions and things like that, it seems like it would really help, especially late at night. Yeah, um, that's a good idea. And maybe eventually even, I don't know if you guys want to do this, because well, once again, it's a lot more work. Um, but I'm wondering, like, maybe doing just a basic lighting of the of the of the walkways. Um, but I mean, you know. yeah. Anyway, and then I had one other. And then I just had one other question about the. I get really bad back pain, and I know part of it's when I become over over concentrated. Um, but it seemed even when I backed off of it, um, I could kind of work with it some, and then I couldn't. The one thing I did have a question about was. It seems like, especially right, I was noticing this a lot on this retreat, right at my clavicle, like where it meets my, my shoulders and my back, it just came, became tighter and tighter, and I wasn't sure, I mean, partly it could have just been the tension I had, um, but I was also wondering if it's kind of how I rest my hands during my meditation. I've noticed some people will have like a, a bit of a lift in between mm-hmm. their legs that they'll rest their hands on, and I was, is that something that helps alleviate that, or is there... I, it could, just try it, you know, you can just... Take a, a, a small pillow or a folded up towel and just you know use that to to elevate your your hands and see what difference it makes. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for the suggestions. My daughter gave me a bunch of lights that go on when it gets dark, and I mm-hmm. didn't need them, so I'll bring them to you if oh, you want them. Oh, okay. Thank you. I think they're solar, but mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. I don't know if you want them. But uh, yeah. I think there's only six of them, but anything. Yeah. We've bought them, you know, in the past, and they don't last forever, but we've been uh-huh. very happy to have them. Okay. So. <laughs> I'll see where they are. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for that offer. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know why I should buy them. I think it was for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh.